So hello and welcome back to the Teens and Vaccines podcast. I am Michaela, and today we are joined by Ziara, Kaylin, and we have a guest today. We have Miss Carice Winter. She is a fourth year medical student at Quinnipiac University, and she is just going to add more flavor to our podcast and share her story and we're going to be asking her some more questions, kind of a continuation of our Ask the Expert, but instead of asking a doctor, we're gonna ask a medical student who is so close to becoming a doctor. <laughs> so, Carice, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, listeners. My name is Carice Winter. I am from the Bronx, New York, and I am currently a fourth year medical student at Frank H. Netter MD School of Medicine in North Haven, Connecticut. I've been through a whole sub higher education and I am now finally so close to becoming a doctor. So I can't wait for that moment. Yes, and we are just so happy to have you. We just love talking to guests. Like all of us just, it's just so fun and we love having different perspectives and we're so happy that you could join us. So first, this whole podcast is really about stories and our listeners at this point have been hearing our stories for so long. So knowing that this pandemic started back in like March of 2020, how has your COVID story been between there and now? Oh, my COVID story actually began very early in the heat of the pandemic when we started to shut down places. At first, I began hearing about COVID from the perspective of a med student. I was on my surgical rotation at Waterbury Hospital. And, you know, surgery is a very dragging rotation, long hours, you wake up like four o'clock in the morning. And I had my child and she was two months old at the time. So it was like a very draining and tiresome time. So when they were talking about COVID and, you know, shutting down some people were saying it was like a hoax or it's just the flu little did i know like it was the weekend i had just did a 28 hour call and it was my mom's birthday so i said i'm gonna drive to the bronx where my family is my daughter is to celebrate my mom's birthday so i did that we celebrated her birthday everything is still operating as normal and then it was that sunday night i remember that they started shutting down new york city public schools and then i got the email that my school would be shut down like and we would turn to virtual so at that point every, the whole world was starting to shut down so I was in New York and I couldn't leave New York which was okay because I was with my family so I proceeded to do work from home as normal did like you know presentations and stuff like that and it started with my dad getting a cough my dad's an uber driver he's a truck driver he he has a lot of line of work he got a cough and I'm like, okay, it's not that crazy. You know, every, everyone's okay. He just probably has a cold. So he had a cough for a few days. Like I said, I was trying to be the calm for my family and like diminish my fears so they couldn't really see um, how serious things could possibly get. So when I started to worry, you know, you're watching the news, you're seeing these theoretical things that scare you. So I started to try to navigate how to get my dad a COVID test. I'm just thinking about it retrospectively, like I'm glad I was there because if I wasn't in New York, I would be stuck in Connecticut with by myself away from my family. So these things that I did to try to help them, 
they wouldn't have been able to do for themselves. So the situation could have gotten worse. So I tried to get him a COVID test. Um, I try to mention, you know, he's high priority because he works with in the Uber and, you know, people from the airport he may pick up. But that was like a very hard process because they weren't really testing anyone. I called the emergency room. They told him not to come to the ER. I called another emergency room. They said, call the primary care, the primary care. It was just like a run around, run around. I think I finally, after like the whole night of working, I think I finally found a way to get him a COVID test, scheduled the appointment and said, okay, we're going to take the test. The appointment was a couple days away. So just doing regular cold things to keep everyone calm. So the appointment comes up. I bring him to the appointment and he still has the cough. They test him. I try to say, you know, I want to really get tested because I have my mom who, um, you know, compromised at home. I have a newborn baby, but they wouldn't test me because they said my age was not in the risk factor. So fine. They said it was, I should be grateful that my dad got a test because now no one is really getting tests. So that attempt at that one hospital got tested, went home, did all the remedies that they told us, took the meds that they told us to take. So at that point, I began to have a cough or like just feel extra tired. I know like that's a normal for me. So it's hard to distinguish between um, regular school stress and like if you're sick or whatever. So I started to get cold symptoms and I'm just like, whatever, I'm just tired, I'm fine, brushing it off. Then like basically, essentially a couple days later is when we got the call that my dad was positive for COVID. And it was like, at that point, we were already in the house together. So when everyone, like my mom also started to feel a little off, I assumed that, okay, everyone has COVID at this point. So we were quarantined away from everyone. My fiance couldn't come in the house because anybody who came into contact with us, there was a risk to spreading COVID for them. So it was just me managing my mom, my baby, and my dad. And then there was one night, like, there was these, these waves of, oh, there's hope. I feel like they're, they're fine. And then, oh, I'm really scared. So there was a, a, a time that I got really scared. So I said, let's go to the, a different ER. I didn't really like the way the hospital that he went to the first time was. So I went to a different hospital. I'm like, I know this hospital. I actually used to work for this hospital. Let's see how we go there. So when I came, went there, I didn't really get a good, like everyone is obviously frantic at this time because it's very early in the pandemic. People are like passing away very, very quickly, but it didn't seem like I wasn't getting the care that I felt comfortable with. I was trying to, like I said, advocate for my dad tell them my medical perspective, because at that point I already been through almost three years of medical school. So I was just trying, I think he needs this. I think he needs that. And I don't think the doctor was very receptive or respectful to like my thoughts. You're listening to the teens and vaccines podcast. Make sure to follow at teens.n.vaxvax on Instagram. So, you know, he got a chest x-ray. They said that he had a pneumonia. They didn't test us for COVID. I got checked out as well. I didn't have like lung pneumonia at that moment. So they discharged us both and sent us both home. So then it was like, okay, 
we're okay still. Let's just try to ride this out like this is a regular, you know, pneumonia as anyone would do when they're recovering from um, sickness. So then there was in the middle of the night on, I don't even know at what point day this is. My dad was like, his cough was just really bad. And he was like walking up the steps and you could tell like he felt like very, like not well. And at that point, like there was a point where he just like looked terrible and he couldn't breathe. So like I, I had a pulse ox monitor, you know, something that is, I say, a privilege for me because I actually know what that is and I had one at home. Not many other people have that. So I was monitoring and his oxygen saturation dropped very low, which it was frightening. So I called 911 to try to get everyone you know, get, get them to come to help me. Um, cause my dad needs to go to the hospital. Couldn't really get 911 because it was backed up. So it was like calling, 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 and there's no ambulance trying to get updates. They still didn't come. Everyone is frantic at this point. So I'm just trying to calm him down, trying to calm my mom down and try to keep myself calm at the same time. And at that point, I tried and tried and tried to get the ambulance and I think like 30 minutes have passed at that point. And I'm just like, okay, he sits here. He's not having oxygen for a long time. That's, that's, it's just going to get worse. I tried to go and, and just rush them to the hospital by myself. So I'm sick. I reversed out the car and now I'm frantically driving my parents and myself like, 1 a.m. in the morning to a different hospital because, like I said, the second hospital I went to, I didn't feel like they actually were caring for me how I should be cared for. So finally get there. I'm, everyone is still in this very panic mode. So you know how in the movies when it's like Grey's Anatomy or something, a trauma is coming in, everybody is rushing to your savior and helping, like, when I was driving in, like, I actually remember driving in the wrong way on the ambulance bay. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure everyone around me could see that it's a frantic emergency, but I felt like no one was really rushing to, to help us. They were more scared, like, who you are. I'm like, at this point, we're all patients. I'm sick. My mom is sick. My dad gets rushed in because he's very, he's very critical. The way that things were set up was um, there was an adult tent and a, a children's tent, but they wanted everyone under 30 to go to the children's side. So that separated my mom and I. And I'm trying to think about myself, but the whole time we were separated, I'm like, I don't think she's going to be able to advocate or talk for herself how she she should or to get the attention that she needs. So I all like there was this gut feeling that felt like something was wrong. So at that point I tried to locate my mom. I forgot about my care, walked away from my care to go and try to find her. And she was she came to me, it was raining, it was cold, and she's just like, I want to go home. My mother is like a feisty person. She doesn't like take crap from anyone and she like knows what she deserves. So when she said she is fed up and she wants to go home, that was shocking to me. Like at this point, I knew that she didn't eat for these many days. She was vomiting. She had a cough, like all these things. It's like, she is not okay to go home into my care. And I had to force my way in to let them evaluate her and eventually admit her. And it was just like, you guys are not seeing what I'm seeing. She's nauseous. She's throwing up the medication that you just gave her to try to take home with. She just took it and she just threw it up in front of you. Like, you need to 
try to at, at least evaluate her in an emergency room. So they both got evaluated. My dad was in critical care. My mom was in the hospital. At that point, after I got them through the doors, I was like, okay, at least they're in the, the medical building. When it came time for me to go back and, you know, recheck myself out, like the way that they were giving me the care, it was just like, oh, you left. So you have to start all over. At that point, I'm just like, oh my God, I've been out here. All these, like to the point of tears, I was just like, forget it. I'm like, I went to my car, I sat in my car and I just cried and just try to tell everyone what's going on. And just from that day on, I was just going back and forth from coordinating from hospital, this side of the hospital, this side of the hospital, because they were separated. So it was just like, you couldn't go visit them in the hospital. So you were just calling and hopeless. And I was just sitting at home with my baby by myself and just praying and hoping that, you know, things would get better for us. And eventually, like, I was able to find resources of um, tap into my medical connections to like try to you know get information about my parents and they they eventually got discharged and we all recovered from COVID um, but that whole time period like even you know while they were hospitalized I was just so infuriated because I'm like I'm a medical professional. I would call myself a medical professional at this point. And I had so many advantages and I know so many people in the same situation that died that didn't get the, the care they needed that, you know, died at home because they were turned away from the hospital. And it was just like, I had this like rage in me, like I have to do something. I have to do something. And that's how like I started doing podcasts and talking and like publicly talking on Facebook about my family situation. And I eventually um, published an article in academic emergency medicine about this COVID experience that I had. Wow. I yeah. think all of us have no words to say. That was just crazy. And I empathize with you and your family so much. And I'm so glad that you all recovered from COVID because many people did not recover from COVID. I just want to talk about advocacy because that's how you are trying to turn what was really a negative situation and trying to make it positive for other people. And I really appreciate that. Hey there, listener. You're listening to the Teens and Vaccines podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at teens.n.vax. Again, it's at teens.n.vax, V-A-X on Instagram. So on the side of advocacy, there's a lot of trouble with young people trying to get vaccinated because of their parents and things of that nature and people just trying to get vaccinated but not being able to advocate for themselves or their wishes. So if we have any listeners out there who feel that they're in this type of deep doo-doo when it comes to advocating for themselves, trying to make sure they're safe and get vaccinated, what would you have to say to them? I feel like advocacy has turned into a process that you have to do in the proper way. Because a lot of times when you have to advocate for yourself, there's a layer of anger. Like I shouldn't have to, you know, this should be given to me. I shouldn't have to fight for it. So it's hard for me sometimes to manage the fight that I have and just trying to get, be productive. So my rule with advocacy is just, you know, like taking a step back reflecting and thinking and planning. So 
writing down what you feel is your wants and your needs and why they are beneficial to you is a step one. Eliminating the anger part about it and the frustration part about it is important because it could kind of block you in a way because if you're, you're coming off as aggressive or, um, you know, rude or anything like that, no one is going to listen to you and you're not gonna get where you need to be. That was probably one of the most difficult things during advocating for my parents because I was so angry, but then I also knew on the other side that, you know, the healthcare system was strained and there's a lot going on. COVID is new. I have to have, you know, sympathy for them because I had the perspective of I'm a patient, I'm a family member, and I'm also a future doctor as well. So I think step one is planning and knowing, like having knowledge base to back up what you're advocating for. I think when you are clear cut about what you want to do and have A, B, and C written down on paper, it's hard for someone to really say no to you. If you're, you come and you're trying to advocate, but you're disorganized and not really clear with your wants, it makes it more difficult. So I think in terms of advocacy, knowing your wants and having something to back it up is important. Also asking questions. That is a, a major key as well. When you're trying to figure out vaccination things or when you're talking to a healthcare provider and you don't understand things, it's easy for patients um, to scare away from asking a question or just feel like, oh, that's maybe a dumb question or like something like that. There's no dumb question. You always should act, ask, ask. And at least the worst answer that you could get is no. So those are my main things when it comes to advocating for anything, for healthcare, for vaccinations. Be clear, have, you know, a plan and ask a lot of questions. And I feel like once you have a good plan, that will help the anger kind of go down and have you be able to present your ideas and your concerns in a more calm manner because you know what you know you're gonna say um so thank you so much for that advice and I actually have a question you know we we just heard your COVID story which happened right at the beginning of COVID what kind of happened afterwards so interestingly enough like I was still a medical student throughout this whole process, Um, throughout my family being hospitalized, being sick and recovering. You know, I I stayed in New York for a while to help my parents recover well, but I was doing classes online and such like that. And after COVID and the health experience, I like personally had a lot of complications with school and I don't know, like academics and stuff that came became really hard for me. I was trying to study for high stakes exams during this time. And that, that produced a lot of academic issues that I had to pull myself out of. I also started to do a lot of advocacy at the same time, like podcasts, just getting the information. Um, I've talked on like black girls link. It's just like trying to promote like minorities in medicine and, um, you know, underserved communities, like, I'm all about empowering those communities. And I think from the time that COVID happened, it just all accelerated to focusing on doing that. I also had like a career change. I thought, you know, I thought I wanted to do 
orthopedic surgery as a specialty. And then I handled, you know, everything with COVID fairly well. So I felt within me that I had to do like a field that's more general because I don't have so much trust in the healthcare system, but I feel like the more knowledge base I have, the more I would be able to help my family members. So now I'm applying into internal medicine. Have you like, as a med student, have you like, besides your family, like hands-on experienced being around people with COVID? Oh, besides family, have I had hands-on experience? <laughs> I've treated, you know, been assisting treating COVID patients in the hospital. Um, early on in COVID, there was a time where we were not allowed at the hospital. So there was this period where we were doing all of our work online, didn't have any contact with COVID patients. Then there was a period also where they didn't want us to see face-to-face COVID patients. So we weren't getting much hands-on there. But then recently, as you know, vaccinations started coming out. Everyone is vaccinated. We are, we are allowed to see COVID patients. So I do see a fair share of COVID patients when I'm on rotation. Yes. And I just want to ask, we have back to school coming around and it was stressful doing COVID in like high school, being in college, but med school peak stressness. So how were you able to, I guess, adapt or cope with doing stuff online, having to go through your tests and things like that for med school? It was a big adjustment. Um, I think mainly in addition to just adjusting to being home, I also had to adjust to like having a child at the same time. So it was just like hard for me to study at home because I'm normally a person that uses campus and locked in a room all day to study because when I feel like I'm home, I like to relax. So I really had to take a lot of time to adjust. And I know it's so many changes has happened to the medical school curriculum, especially, you know, that I know of in my school, like it changed the, the schedule for testing. Like previously people would take tests like every six weeks per se, But now because of COVID and constraining and trying to find clinicals for everyone, I know the third years behind me had to take multiple exams in a week, which is like the stress level just came higher and higher and higher. Hey guys, you're listening to the Teens and Vaccines podcast. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, Instagram at teens.n.vax, spelled V-A-X, Again, that's teens.n.vax, spelled V-A-X. I tried to manage by, um, I mean, I don't think I was managing my stress well for a very, very long time. Hence why I felt like I had academic hardship, all these different hardships trying to manage my world, COVID, my family, and also at the same time, a racial pandemic because the last year, when this was going on as well with COVID, so many people were getting killed senselessly. So many Black people were being killed. And that emotionally, as an African-American woman, that is very emotional for me. I have a Black fiance, a father, a brother, like all those things where people were just senselessly being killed affected me mentally. And it was like a friend that, you know, tried to encourage me, like, you need to take care of yourself so I started to try to exercise I started to commit myself to 
reflection and having gratitude for certain things and writing those things down. I also committed to counseling at least, you know, a couple times a month just to be able to decompress about all that I have going on. And I think through those things, um, I was able to, to, to have a handle on it because it felt like my world was blowing up in the midst of all of this. I also lost my um, grandmother and I was just like, I don't really think there's much more that I could bear, but I know that at this point I have to graduate and become a doctor because literally there's so many people depending on me. So I just, every time I got stressed about it, I would go back into that same point. Like you literally have no choice but to finish. So do the best you can to basically get out and be, you know, mentally sane and academically um, successful. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that answer because <laughs> college is hard, especially with aspirations of going beyond college. Since you are closer in age to us and we are like the Teens and Vaccines podcast, how do you feel about vaccine advocacy among the younger population? And I guess what would be your pitch to all the young people to get vaccines? So um, I'm fully vaccinated and, you know, most of my family is fully vaccinated and that does take, you know, it depends on the person. There's so many people that have different views about different vaccines. My tactic with getting someone to get vaccinated is not to be forceful because we all have personal preference and I don't want to feel like because I'm a doctor, I'm forcing you to do this. No, that is not the case at all because I feel like at that point, you may lose trust with the person. My tactic is, you know, we have this vaccine. You've seen how deadly COVID is, how much it, how quickly it could spread, how it has had a national global impact. This vaccine right now is our only protection. I know like a big thing with people and convincing them to get the vaccine is like, oh, you can still get COVID even though you have the vaccine. Yes, you can still get COVID even though you have the vaccine, but you have some layer of protection. You have some antibodies that are going to be at defense, whereas if you don't, you just have nothing. So I kind of try to simplify it as much as I can and I get too much into the science of the vaccine. I'm not an expert in all those things, but I try to explain like, I know you know, there's some distrust because, you know, this vaccine came out quickly. There's a distrust amongst minority communities because, you know, there's a mistrust in the healthcare system and things are not perfect. But I also feel like we are progressing and, and doing what we can. So if you're doing, you want to do your part, the only, like, your only protection at this point is the vaccine so that's how I like kind of simplify it you know if they're very much against it I don't try to push too hard I just you know say you know we could talk about this at any time you know if you change your mind if you want to continue to talk about it at a later time we can um I'm not trying to force you but I'm just trying to let you know my opinion my opinion is some protection is better than no protection at all I really appreciate you talking with us your perspective is just so interesting we kind of talked about this in the last episode about how comfortable uh one feels after getting the vaccination how protected are you are you right so how has your day-to-day life changed after getting the vaccine 
how has that changed if it has at all? So I I would say there has been minimal changes to my day. You know, I never like besides being quarantined when we, you know, no one was able to leave the house. But as soon as school opened up, I had to function fully and be in the hospitals. And, you know, I had I think I am more comfortable because I've always been at a higher risk because I am seeing patients and stuff like that. But my day-to-day has not really changed much since I'm receiving the vaccine besides like if I'm in the hospital and I'm around or like in an area in a small like 10 or 10 or so people and they're all vaccinated like I won't wear a mask and I'll feel comfortable that I'm okay. I think I'm comfortable around you know people family members that I trust are not like being very reckless um So I don't think my day-to-day has changed much. I think it's important that we self-monitor our symptoms. So if I feel like I'm not well, I'm not going to go and put myself around anyone, no matter like if I think it's COVID or or not or anything like that. So I think the taking the daily fevers when you have to go into a building or work or something, that makes me feel more comfortable because, all right, I know no one is very, very contagious at this point. And I also... Another part of it as well for me, and this is just personal, I feel like I've been through my worst already. So I'm not like the anxiety and the fear I have around COVID kind of after I like recovered from like that detrimental situation, it was just like, okay, now COVID is something that I have to live with. I'm not going to let it have a barrier on how I go about my day to day, but I'm going to be safe at the same time as much as I can. I just want to thank Carice for your very powerful story and sharing it with us and with all of our listeners and giving your advice on advocacy and things of that nature. So I'm very like aligned with what you're saying. I feel it. I hear it. And I'm just trying to do anything about it. That's why you're going to take my email and keep in contact with me since you want to become a doctor. Yes. And thank you for that. Thank you for that. And again, just thank you for all your wonderful advice. A quick thank you to our sponsors, the Community Health Center, um, the Weissman Institute and the School-Based Health Alliance. Just thank you to our listeners. And again, thank you to Carice for just, I don't even know how to describe it, but just being a light for us and just shining her wisdom on us. No problem. Have a good day, guys, and we will catch you next time on our next episode of the Teens and Vaccines podcast.